you have a Bible, you can open up to Genesis chapter 12. This morning we continue our series in worship, looking at the life of Abraham. It would probably be helpful to have a Bible through this. I'll be filling a lot of blanks. Nowhere in Scripture do we uh, find the term Father Moses or Father David, but it's clear that the father of the nation of Israel was Abraham. He is called the father of the faithful. God called Abram when he was fatherless, and God called him to be a father. God called God, and he left his life of idolatry, and God justified him by faith. And God called Abram out of the Ur of the Chaldees, and God brought him to the land we know as Canaan, the promised land. We know from archaeology that Ur, where Abram came from, was a city of great wealth and learning. There was a library there, and and also goddess. But the God of glory came to Abram. The initiative was from God to break him of his life of idolatry and to follow after God. You see, in meeting with Abram, God gave him a command as well as a promise. Abram was commanded to leave someplace and to go somewhere. And Abram was commanded by God to leave three things. He was to leave his country He was to leave his kindred, and he was to leave his father's house. And that's exactly what the gospel calls us also to do. We are to leave behind our country, the familiar territory, the values we've been raised by, the culture that has shaped us, the attitudes that we have picked up that has molded us. Even as a soldier must leave behind the familiar territory he has known to step into another country with which he is unfamiliar. Even as a woman deeply in love sometimes must leave behind the familiar place, the setting she has known, to go to another place to be with the man God has called her to be with. To go to venture off to a college campus. God was calling Abram unto a great adventure. And God is calling you into this great adventure of leaving behind what is certain, to step into what is uncertain with the, with the certainty that God will make his will known unto you. Secondly, he was called to leave behind his kindred, his relatives, the greatest influence in your life. the pressures from family and friends, the attitudes we've picked up. This is our kindred that we must be willing to leave behind when we hear the voice of God, the call of God upon our life. We renounce what others think and preeminently are concerned with what God thinks. And thirdly, we leave behind our father's house. That is our ties with the old man, namely Adam. Our father, in this sense, is Adam himself, the father of us all. We are born into that house, and he is our father. But we are to leave behind the sins of our father and hear the call of God and follow him. This is of their land, for there is darkness in our land. 
They have become weary of their relationships, for they have injured them deeply. And they are no longer satisfied in their father's house. They feel trapped there. The call of God comes into our life, and God says, leave behind your country and your kindred and your father's house and go to the land I will show you. God is speaking to Abram and promising him while he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen. God called Moses while he was taking care of the sheep. God calls, called David when he was yet a shepherd. God called Nehemiah when he was serving the king. God called Peter and John when they were casting their nets. And God called Abram into a relationship with himself. I was playing golf about 35 years ago with a young man whose name was Marcus. Now, Marcus often got into fights, and so we called him Mucus. Mucus Marcus was my best friend. And Marcus I hadn't seen for about a year. And one day I was playing golf with him, and I noticed that his life had dramatically changed. And I said to him, Marcus, what has happened to you? And he said to me, I cannot explain it to you, R, but if you will come with me to church, it will become clear to you what's happened to me. That was the beginning of the call of God upon my life. As my best friend had a head-on collision with Jesus Christ and surrendered his life to him, and his life was being radically changed and transformed. God is saying to Abram, I will bless your life beyond measure. I will make you into a great nation. I will expand your life and enlarge you, and I will multiply you. You will have so many descendants, they will outnumber the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And I will bless you. And I will make this nation a nation with laws to live by, a nation under covenant with me. And your nation will bless other nations. Out of your nation will come forth the Messiah, the sacrificial lamb, who will die to take away the sins of all sinners and open heaven's doors to forgiven sinners. I will make you a blessing. You see, God has poured blessings into your life in order that you might be a blessing to others. My precious wife, Debbie, is away this weekend. She's down with her sister and her husband. He had some issues with his heart. trip to be. And I said, Debbie, as God has blessed us, why don't you just go down and be a blessing to your sister and to her husband? So she went ahead of them and she stepped onto some unfamiliar territory of opening up their place, of buying some food for them to come into, of uh, getting their car out of the lot, of just being a blessing to that family. I think one of the greatest ways that God can use us is simply when he has blessed us. was going to be a blessing. And those who blessed him would be blessed, and those who cursed him would be cursed. And all the nations would be blessed through the seed of Abraham, through the person of Jesus Christ. And then there was the land. Abram left the earth, 
not knowing where he was going. He did not have a map. He did not have a, a Garmin. He did not have a Magellan. He did not have GPS. He was called to live his life by faith. God calls us to live our lives by faith, sometimes not knowing exactly where we're going. Suppose you had this conversation with Abram. Abram, where are you going? I don't know, but God's going to show me. (laughs) What are you going to do about your food? I don't know, but the Lord's going to provide for me. How are you going to protect yourself, Abram? There's warring tribes in the land. I don't know, but God will be my shield. I suppose the planner inside all of us would like to know all the details. I suppose it's good to know the miles you must travel on the journey. I suppose it's good to know the stops you're going to make. And I'd like to know where the cracker barrels are when I travel. I like biscuits. It's good to know something about the journey that's ahead of you and the miles you're going to travel and where you're going to stop. But when you live your life by faith, you're not going to know all the details of the journey. God said, you know, follow me and I will show you the land. It says that Abram himself entered through the land. And he came into the land of Canaan, and there were Canaanites living there. And when he traveled through the land, he came to, in verse 6 and 7, he came to the great tree of Morah at Shechem. Now there was this huge spreading tree, a terebinth oak tree. And it said that under that tree, the Canaanites would worship. One of their soothsayers, their fortune tellers, would stand under the tree and prophesy to the people of the land. They were living in such great darkness. And Abram himself came as far as that tree. And there, Abram was spoken to by God. God revealed himself to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. Abram himself did not have offspring at this time. This was a promise that heard the voice of Jesus. And Jesus spoke into his life and said, To your offspring I will give this land. This was a promise that he could hold on to. You see, just as God spoke to Abram, God wants to speak into your life. And it was in that place that Abram called upon the name of the Lord. You see, Abram learned a life of prayer there in that place. There was an altar being built where he could commemorate what God said to him, for him to have communion with God. God wants to have communion also with you. God wants you to build altars in your life. God wants you to live your life by faith and enjoy a prayer life with him. It's hard to have a prayer life with God when you're angry with God. When there's anger inside your soul or disappointment with God. And some of you here are angry and disappointed with God. Some of you feel as if God would never hear my prayers. But I want to tell you about the righteousness that Abram received. A righteousness he received by faith. You see, he believed God and God credited him as righteousness. And God entered into a relationship with Abram. And there in that place, he learned to call upon the name of the Lord. And what we need to do in our life of worship is to call upon the name of the Lord. You see, Abram himself was going public with his faith. In the midst of Canaan, 
with all the Canaanites, Abram built an altar to God and began to call upon the name of God. See, God appeared to him there in that place. He went public. So we have a choice to make whether we will stay quiet about our faith or go public with God. The fear of what others will think will shut us down. To go public with his faith. The best way to overcome our fear of others who are unlike us, who surround us in our everyday lives, is to keep our focus on the Lord and cultivate an awareness of his presence in our lives. We need to be more aware of him than of them. So here's the scene. Abram has arrived in Shechem. The Canaanites gather around him, and they say, What is your name? He said, My name is Abram, which means father. What are you doing? I'm building an altar to the Lord. What Lord is that? There's many gods in this land. My God is the true and living God, the maker of heaven and earth. So what is this altar all about? On this very altar, I'm going to sacrifice a lamb. The blood of the lamb is going to be shed for my sins because God requires for me to come into his presence with the shedding of blood. Abram now, himself being reconciled to God, is carrying forth a ministry of reconciliation. You see, when you became a believer, you became a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old passed away. Behold, all things became new. That God was in Christ reconciling you to himself. And God has given to you a ministry of reconciliation. You are to be about salt and light. The light shining in the darkness. The salt, the preservative, the flavor, if you will. That God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And God has given to us a ministry of reconciliation. We are being sent out into this world as ambassadors. Saying to this world, be reconciled back to God. There's a young man in my group heading off to Haiti who is going public with his faith. There was a parenthesis of several years, but now he has an opportunity to come out, if you will, to write people about his journey. To with his faith. There's a student in the high school who's been afraid to go public, not associating with other believers, Afraid to admit that she's a Christian. But now she says, I'm going public. I'm building an altar to my God. My altar will be the lunchroom. My altar will be the classroom. My altar will be the hallway. My altar will be the locker room. My altar will be the fields on which I play. She's going public with her faith in Jesus Christ. You see, Abram in that land of Canaan decided to go public with his faith. There he built an altar to God to commemorate the promise of God to your offspring, I will give this land. And there he communed with God. Secondly, in verse 8, we find a declaration of worship to keep God in the very center. We find in verse 8, it says, From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. Bethel was on the west and Ai was on the east. Let me explain. Bethel means the house of God. Ai means the place of ruin. Abram knew he had to keep God in the center of his life. 
There were perhaps threats made upon his life. There were challenges issued to his life. He was in hostile territory. He was a minority amongst the Canaanites. And there in that very place, he built an altar to God. And he called on the name of the Lord. We so need to learn what it means. is released when we pray in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord is our comfort, and the Lord is our strength, and the Lord is our refuge, and the Lord is our deliverer, and the Lord is our healer, and the Lord is our Savior. And we need to learn to call on the name of the Lord. You see, there at that altar, I wish I had a witness, Somebody's learned how to call on the name of the Lord. There in that place, on that ground, Abram decided to call upon the name of God. Jesus said, when you pray, go into that private place. Go into that solitary place. Go into that secret place and pray to your Father. And he who hears you in secret will hear what you say to him. God wants to cultivate in us a life of prayer. And Abram here in this place was learning how to pray. And we have said this place will be a house of prayer. A place where God's people can come and pray unto our Father. We can bring our needs before our God. We can be honest with Him about what's happening in our lives. And there in that place, Abram called upon the name of the Lord. You may feel yourself so polluted so defiled, you can never call upon the name of the Lord. What God really wants you to do is to realize that He really loves you. And He has opened up a way for us to commune with Him, to talk with Him through prayer, to learn to call upon the name of the Lord. What's really interesting about the story now is that Abram was faced with a challenge. How many got a challenge in your life? How many are finding a test upon your faith? Abram's test was there was a famine in the land. The, um, the rains did not come. The crops did not grow. So he, he ventured south. He went down to the Negev. And he came to the edge of Egypt. Now, nothing good is in Egypt. Egypt stands for bondage. A- Abram was not calling upon the Lord. He was living independently of God. And so as he ventured into Egypt... He said, Sarah, I think I see some problems up ahead. The Egyptians will see that you are a beautiful woman. And the Egyptians will learn that you are my wife. And they will kill me, and they will let you live. So let's tell a little lie. Let's say you aren't my wife. Let's say you are my sister. Abram had no confidence in God's presence, in God's protection, in God's provision. So what happened is that Abraham Now they weren't doing Bible studies in the harem. And Sarah was in some great risk. Because Abram lied, he put his wife at great risk. To save his own neck, he put her virtue um, in question. 
And she was in this place. But remember, God said, I will bless you and I will protect you. So he caused great affliction to fall upon Pharaoh and his household. And then Sarah said, I'm really not his sister, I'm really his wife. And Pharaoh said, why did you lie to me? Why didn't you tell me the truth? Get out of here. So Abram leaves with Sarah out of Egypt. But they take with them a woman by the name of Hagar. And Hagar, of course, is the mother of Ishmael. And the problems we see now in the Middle East have to do between the children of Isaac and the children of Ishmael. Ishmael became the father of the Arab nations and said that his would be an enmity with his brothers forever. What we find then is that Abram himself begins to leave the land. And when he comes out of the land, he comes back to the altar. I call this the altar of confession, the altar of consecration. Verse 4 of chapter 13 says, where he first built an altar to the Lord. I believe that faith, but I was living by fear and unbelief. Lord, I've made a horrible mistake. There was a time when we were close, but I feel so very distant from very wrong, and I am very, very sorry. God, would you restore me? God, would you heal me? God, would you forgive me for my sin? And there at that altar, what transpires is something very beautiful. Abram is being restored to his relationship with God because he comes back to the very same altar where he worshiped to make his confession and to be consecrated again to be God's man in Canaan. God, I just want to get right with you. How many of you, that would be your greatest desire? God, I just want to get right with you. I just want to make peace with you. I just want to be restored to you. I've made some mistakes. I've ventured off on some wrong paths. I've taken the wrong direction. I've been spending some time down in Egypt, that place of bondage. But God, I want to be Brokenness is the pathway to breakthrough. What you have to do is you have to admit your sin to God. And Abram, this great man of faith, begins to confess his sins to God. And they begin rolling off his shoulder, and he becomes free. But the greatest test of Abraham still lies ahead in chapter 22 of Genesis. God said to him, testing Abraham, he said, take your son, your only son, the son whom you love, and take him up to that hill country, the land of Moriah, and there offering him to me. Lay down your son, Abram. Lay down the son whom you love. You see, God was testing the loyalty of his heart. Who did he love more? Did he love God more or did he love his son more? And early in the morning, it says, Abram arose. Early because he did not want to procrastinate. He knew the will of God. Early because he did not, did not want doubt creeping into his heart. Early because he did not want to change his mind. 
He saddled up his donkey and he put wood on the back of his son Isaac. Isaac stands to us as the willing son, the son who was willing to sacrifice. And they began to take that long journey toward the land of Moriah. And Abram said to his servants, he said, wait here while my son go and worship and we will come back to you. And Isaac then asked a very perceptive question. He said, Dad, I see the fire and I see the wood, but where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? Where is the lamb for the, for the sacrifice? And Abram said, on the mountain of the Lord, the lamb will be provided. Now we pick it up in verse 9. It says, And when they reached the place that God had told them about, Abram built an altar there. You see, here was a man who had built an altar at Shechem. And he built an altar between Bethel and Ai. And he'd come back to that altar to confess his sin. But now God was asking him to lay down the person that mattered the most in his life, his precious son, Isaac. The name means laughter. When uh, Sarah learned that she'd have an Isaac, she began to laugh. And God got the joke and called him laughter. But now God was calling Abraham to lay down his son Isaac on the altar. I have four sons. Um, Josh, my 16-year-old, lives with us now, but... I have a son, Jimmy, who's 21 years old, and a son, Chris, who's 26. And about two years ago, Jimmy came to me and said, Dad, I think God has called me to go into the Army. I said, what? I said, Jimmy, there's this anointing upon your life. I think God has called you to be like a worship pastor, to be a pastor. You have a love for people, a love for God. There's always music around our house. Aren't you called to be a worship pastor? He said, no, Dad. And the army said to him, you can have any job you want in the army. And Jimmy said, I think I'd like to go into the infantry. I said, infantry? Out in front with the troops? Not in a tank? safe, not doing communications, not kind of building roads and bridges, that kind of thing, but infantry. And I'll tell you, I entered into a crisis of faith because all of my life I tried to protect Jimmy. I tried to steer Jimmy. I tried to guide Jimmy. But now he wanted to go in the army. And I knew what God was saying to me. Lay Jimmy on the altar. And I said to him, Jimmy, this is the calling of God upon your life. You're called to be a warrior. I will be your prayer warrior. Jimmy, you're going to fight some battles, but I'm going to fight for you, Jimmy, in prayer. God is going to call you at some place, sometime, to lay something on the altar that is very precious to you. God may be calling you to lay on that altar your pride. God may be calling you to lay on the altar a relationship. God may be calling you to lay on the altar a child. God may be calling you to lay on the altar your career. 
But you see, the altar is the place where we lay it down before God, surrendering our lives and submitting to his will. To Abram, the will of God was very clear. God was calling him to give up his son. And he obeyed the voice of God. Abram bound his son. He took forth a knife. And God said, Abraham, Abraham. Aren't you glad God said, Abraham, Abraham? And there in the thicket was a ram. And on the mountain of the Lord, it was provided. Fast forward 2,000 years. Jesus Christ carrying the wood upon his back, going out through the city gate to a hillside called Calvary. God spared not his son, but he delivered him up for us all. At this moment, we come to the bread and cup. And this place... of you, this is your moment to step into faith, to believe that the sacrifice made on that mountain was sufficient for your sin. You have sinned before God, and God has made provision for you in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And if you only believe that he took your place upon that cross and enter into faith, God will wipe your sins completely clean, and you can become a worshiper like Abraham. This is a place of faith. This is a place of worship. And this is a place of confession. You see, the Bible says we are to examine ourselves before we ever partake of the bread and the cup and to get honest with him and get right with him. And what's ever been carried in our hearts, the attitudes of our hearts, the actions we have taken, the things we have said, the things we have not said, the things we have done, the things we have not done, we're to make confession unto God. But here we find this altar where... He laid down his precious son. And God the Father, out of his love for us, laid down his precious son to make provisions for our sin. Pray with me. Father, you've called us to a life of faith. So many times we live our lives in unbelief and fear, self-preservation. We say things, Lord, we should not have said. So we carry with us this sin and guilt and shame, even condemnation. We hear the voice of the enemy recalling to us what we have done. But we also hear your voice, Lord, calling to us to come to you, to call out to your name, to call out to you, Jesus, and say, forgive us for our sins, for our sins. Precious. So in this time of worship, Lord, may we lay on the altar that which is very precious. For some, it'll be their, their Isaac. For some, it'll be their health. For some, it's their financial situation. For some, it's a relationship. God, would you incline our hearts this very morning to be worshipers?
coming to your altar. Father, that we drink this cup and partake of this bread, mindful of our precious Savior, who poured out his life for us. His body was broken. His body was pierced for our transgressions. Consecrate this moment, Lord, this holy moment we have before you. We pray in Jesus' name. Beautiful things are happening all around this room as we're experiencing communion with Him. And God wants us to draw near to Him. He wants to be close to us. He wants an intimate relationship. He wants us to build altars to Him. All around uh, this town are various altars that I've built. We're going to walk through some places, some trails. I'll show you some stones I've gathered to remember the goodness of God. Hospital waiting rooms. Times my car broke down and someone bailed me out. Altars of remembrance to the goodness of God. So I want to say in your homes, your home can become an altar, a place of prayer, a place of communion with God, remembering the good things that God has done. Prayer journals, just writing down the answers to prayers and seeing the track record of God. I'll tell you, God is faithful. And God will keep every one of the promises he has made. And God was not only speaking to Abram, he was speaking to you. I'm going to bless your life. Bless it beyond measure. And I'm going to pour so many blessings in your life that you're going to be a blessing to somebody. Pray with me. Father, it's this communion with your spirit, with your son, Jesus Christ, our hearts crave. And you love us. And you've appointed us and anointed us, Lord. And there's an omission and assignment you've given to each one of us. For Abraham, it was to walk through that land, the land you gave, and build altars to worship you, Lord, because you deserve the worship we give to you. You're a high and holy God. But you dwell in a high and holy place. But you also dwell with the contrite. And you lift up the broken. You heal the broken-hearted person. So, Father, if our hearts are broken this morning, I pray for healing in the name of Jesus. If we are wounded, Lord, We enter into agreement with you, God, that you are a healing, all-powerful God. For some who are trying to listen to your voice for what the assignment may be, I pray, Lord, that they'll be attuned to the voice of your Spirit speaking into their lives. That just as you spoke to Abram, so, God, you speak to us. And for those who laid something really precious on that altar this morning, I pray, Lord, that you might show yourself to be the God who provides. That as you provided for Abram, so God provide in our lives. So we trust you and we follow you, Lord. And we pray together in Jesus' name. Amen.